0: good morning welcome i want to thank Leo for greeting us this morning and reading through our scripture and praying and also Pastor and alex leading us to our music this morning i hope that it was a blessing to you uh, as we've been able to worship continue worshiping together in the circumstances that we're in uh, we are as has already been read we're going to be in hebrews legend. so i would encourage you turn in your bibles there no matter where you are if you're sitting at home sitting on the couch uh, wherever. Open scripture, take a look at it with us. We're going to be looking at in verses 8 through 16 in Hebrews 11 this morning. So please turn there with me, follow along with us. We've been in this uh, series in Hebrews, uh, focusing on the fact that Jesus is greater than anything you put on the other side of the equation. And particularly as we've gotten into Hebrews 11, we've been focusing in on the faith of those who have gone before. So as we've been focusing on that, we've had some key characters That God has walked us through in Hebrews 11. I'm hopeful that you've been with us and been tracking with us. Um, And today we're going to pick up two huge characters in the history of uh, the faithful that have followed God. And that's Abraham and Sarah. So last couple weeks we talked about Abel. We talked about the definition of faith at the beginning of chapter 11. We talked about Abel as the first one recorded here in this text. As being faithful to God and what that looked like for him. Really basically living a life of obedience to what the word he had heard from before. And then we talked last week, Kyleo took us through Enoch and Noah. Two more characters of the faithful that have gone before us. Enoch, one of the coolest stories in scripture, being taken up by God uh, because he was faithful. And Noah, obviously we're very familiar with that story. But Noah being preserved by God. Uh, because he was faithful as well. So today we're going to get into Abraham and Sarah. So verse 8, I'm going to read for us verse 8 down through 16. Once we get done reading, we're going to go back. We'll start to work our way through uh, what the Lord has for us from this particular text. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, again, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. We're actually going to pause there for now. We'll start to work that through before we get into our next character in verse 11 with Sarah. So Abraham. Abraham is this one. Right, when you were a kid, I remember being a kid and singing this song, Father Abraham, right? So familiar to you. I'm not going to sing it because it also includes dancing and some other stuff that would look really awkward. So uh, we're just going to go with the fact that Abraham is a well known character from the patriarchs in the life of Israel and in the, the history of the people of God. He, in fact, is the father of the believers, that's how he's relayed all through Scripture. Was he the first one that followed God in faith? No, he wasn't. But as far as the economy of how God dealt with his people, there was a direct transition in Genesis chapter 11. So in order to get context for most of these stories that we've been working through in Hebrews 11, we've got to go back to the stories that are previously in scripture. So I'm gonna have you put your finger, keep your finger in Hebrews 11 or a marker, or if you're a regular attender here uh, in the normal times with us at Real Life Church, you have one of these, you have your scripture journal. So have that open, you can keep that in Hebrews 11, but also take the word of God and turn back to Genesis chapter 11 with me. As you go back to Genesis chapter 11, um, this is the context for which we are picking up the story in Hebrews 11. We gotta constantly remember, right? The believers that we're hearing from the writer of Hebrews were unbelievably familiar with this story. They were Hebrews. This was their history. It was their family story. But we need to make sure that we're familiarized as well. There's a change here that happens in Hebrews 12 when Abraham is called by God. In Hebrews 11, this is the transition we see happen. It's the Tower of Babel. If you're not familiar with the story, we're not going to read it all the way through. But in Hebrews 11, the Tower of Babel is basically when, previous to that, God had a general relationship with all of mankind. He, he spoke to all mankind. He worked with them. He basically had this general relationship with mankind. In Genesis 11, this changes because of the act at the Tower of Babel. Mankind organizes in a way to revolt against God, to basically try to be God. And in that, God changes how he's going to work with mankind in that time. He judges them. They're scattered. They're put into different languages so they can't communicate. And they scatter throughout the different parts of the world. And in Genesis 12, following that, we see how God chooses to carry on his story with man. He chooses Abram. And Abram is basically this guy who comes from a heathen background. So, as we look in Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, and you don't have to turn there with me, stay in Genesis, but I'm going to read for you Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, that gives us a little context for the life of Abraham before his calling by God. In Joshua 24, 2, it says, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor and they served other gods. So we know this from Abraham's story that before God calls him out, his family is not a believing, faithful family. They're a heathen family that serves other gods. We don't totally know because we're not totally described to us what God saw uniquely in Abram that he picked him to be the father of of Israel and the father of his people going forward, but we know that he did pick Abram. It's recorded for us. But Abram comes from a family, not of god of ones who served other gods. That's good news for some of us, right? Some of us don't have a family history of faithful God-followers and god That doesn't mean in any effect that God can't call you, God can't equip you, and God can't use you. Abraham being the ultimate example of that. Coming from a heathen family, God calls him and establishes his people through Abraham. So God can call and use any of us. That's the context in Genesis 11 that leads up to the calling of Abraham. And in Hebrews 11, what we're looking at is how God calls Abraham and how Abraham responds. That essentially starts in Genesis 12 and The story of Abraham, you know, we talked about Enoch was just a little little recording in scripture. Abel was a few verses at the beginning of Genesis, but Abraham actually has an extensive story. The story is included from Genesis 12 all the way through Genesis 25. So if you want to get more familiar with the story of Abraham, I would encourage you to go read those chapters. Walk your way all the way through his life, how God loved him, how God forgave him, how he repented, and how God continued to use him. All the way through to his death that's recorded for us in Genesis 25. So there's there's a good 13 chapters there about the life of Abraham. So you can go and you can pour through those and spend a lot of time learning more about the background that we're talking about in, Je- in Hebrews 11 today. So that's just what I wanted to give you context. And I did want you to turn there to visually look at it. Hebrew, or Genesis 11 is the Tower of Babel scenario where they try to build a tower to get to God. <laughs> And, and and reach him in the heavens, which obviously is a ludicrous idea, but the people thought highly enough of themselves, they thought they could do it. God judges, he scatters, and then he calls Abram out. That's essentially where we pick up in Hebrews 11. We pick up in Hebrews 11, verse 8, where it says, by faith Abraham, and there's this word again, right? Like, is that old saying, that, mama, there goes that man again? Like, There's this word, this word that we don't particularly like. And it's this Abraham obeyed. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. So God calls Abraham. He says, Listen, I'm not only going to change your name, I'm going to send you, call you out of, and it was a big city. So we know this also from Abraham's story. He lived in a city, his family was in a big city. They were a heathen family worshiping other gods. And God comes and he speaks to Abram and he says, go to a place I will show you. That's a fairly obtuse call, right? Go to a place I will show you. He's not giving him a direct roadmap. He's not giving him a direct destination. He's just saying, I am calling you and I'm going to call you to a place and I'm going to give you a promise. And as God gives that to Abraham, Abraham, this, this simple phrase is what is key to the life of Abraham. Understanding it and understanding the faith that Abraham exemplifies for us. It's this. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Abraham obeyed. Because he knew everything that was coming? Nope. Because he thought he could predict the future and where he was going and take care of his family the way he wanted to and and. and and basically project and, and, and future cast all of it. No, he didn't know. But by faith, even in his not knowing, he obeyed. It's an amazing challenge. As we press forward, we're going to see even more examples of how this happened in the life of Abraham. He obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance This phrase at the end of verse 8 connects over to verse 13. In verse 13, it says, These all died in faith. We're talking about all this before verse 13. Not having received the things promised. We're going to get into that. But here in in verse 8, we see that Abraham was promised an inheritance. In Genesis chapter 12, God promises a number of things to Abraham. Specifically in verse 3 of Genesis 12. He says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a promise given to Abram that is carried forth to all those who believe in faith and after. In, G- in Galatians, the Apostle Paul actually quotes this verse from Genesis twelve three, And he says, this is the promise that God has given to all those who follow Christ. That in all, and through the believers, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There's a promise given to Abraham that he never saw. He didn't see come to fruition. It didn't work out in the next couple years or in the next couple decades or even in his entire lifetime where those things specifically happened. But the promise remained true even though he didn't see the end of it. And that's a tough lesson for us as people. We struggle with God's faithfulness. I I know I do. I know probably all of us do if we're honest. We struggle with God's faithfulness when we are not seeing the end result. And this specific text in Hebrews 11 is given to us by God, inspired through the Holy Spirit, to tell us this first thing. Obey in faith, even when you don't know where it's going. Follow God Because the end result is not the object of our faith. What is the object of our faith? The person and work of God himself. God is the object of our faith. Not the roadmap, not the results, not even the promise or the inheritance. That is not the object of our faith. The object of our faith is Jesus and what God has done for us through him. See, up until this point, Abraham it's apparent that he had believed in God and God had granted him faith. And then when God spoke to him, he directly obeyed. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew who he was following. And that's a phrase that I think we should probably hold on to. I highlighted that when I wrote that down, I highlighted it a couple times in my notes. So if you're a note taker, you're doing something, this is one that you probably want to jot down. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but he knew who he was following. And that was enough for him to obey. Knowing the character of God, knowing what had been revealed to him about how God works and what God does and how God created and how God loves, that was enough for Abraham. Not to know exactly where it was gonna end up, but to know who was taking him there. The person, the character, The work of God. That's where the faith of Abraham landed. Not just in what the result was going to be. Although Abraham didn't know exactly what was coming, he knew who was taking him there. We need to hear that word in today's day and age, right? Your personal, individual, physical health is not the object of your faith your protection from things around you that may hurt you or harm you or may persecute you or make you feel uncomfortable. See, our comfort's not the object of our faith. Our health is not the object of our faith. Our personal freedoms are not the object of our faith. This is a word that we need to hear for us today, right now. I love how God gives us this word right on time. Always is, isn't he? He brings it to us and says, I am the object of your faith, not what you merely see around you. See, this is part of Abraham's faith that goes forward for us. He had his eyes fixed on something other than what was right in front of him. He had his eyes fixed on things above. Verse 9. By faith he went out to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Heirs with him of the same promise. Three generations of nomads that were God's chosen people. Three generations living together in tents, not building some great city like where Abraham came from, but instead following God to a promise, to an inheritance, but in tents as strangers and exiles. Isaac is his son. Jacob is Isaac's son. So we have recorded right here that Abraham lives long enough to have three generations following their herds around in tents. See, in our economy, that doesn't look like success, does it? Wandering, following, not being established, not being able to build something that could be a monument to our capacity and our competencies Abraham believed God and he continued to follow him into three generations because he believed that God was going to do what God had told him he promised to do. No matter what the circumstances looked like around him. Verse 10. How could he believe this? How did he stay faithful? What did that look like? Verse 10. He could do this for multiple generations. Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. What did Abraham look forward to? Not things on this earth, but heaven. Abraham had his eyes fixed on things above. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So, Turn with me there if you can. you got your Bibles, it's, it's going to be way to your right in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3. This idea that Abraham had his eyes fixed, not on an earthly city, not on the city he came from, because he could have always gone back to that, and not on a city he was just going to build and see as a monument to himself or his people, but Abraham had his eyes fixed on things above Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 and 3. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is the reality that Abraham knew Even before Jesus incarnate came and put on flesh and bones and redeemed us, Abraham believed God and he believed there was something better than what he could do or see or accomplish in this earth. He believed there was something greater than anything he could put his hands to and build and that was what God was building that God was the designer and the builder of a city that was going to be for eternity. And Abraham kept his eyes fixed on that through, I got to tell you, lots of doubting. Abraham was not perfect. Sarah, we're going to look at in a minute, she wasn't perfect either. There were issues, there were issues of doubt. There were issues of unfaithfulness. There was issues of sin. They were real people like you and I. But they were counted as faithful because in the midst of doubts and questions and struggles and sin, they kept their eyes fixed on things above. And that's what carried them through. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Because that is essentially where our faith has a tendency to waver. When we're not seeing what we were hoping for. But if our eyes are fixed on eternity and on a city that only God can build in heaven, then our faith will continue to take us in that direction. No matter what goes on around us no matter how uncomfortable we are, no matter what kind of diseases come into this world, no matter what kind of everyday inconveniences we have to battle or persecutions we have to battle, we will know we are keeping our eyes fixed on the things above, not on the things on this earth. That's how these people lived differently. That's how Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah, and we're going to get more on a list. That's how those people lived faithfully In days that were challenging, just like ours, they lived faithfully in the everyday because they had their eyes fixed on things above. Verse 11 By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. This is the story of Sarah, and we know, if you don't know, we're going to walk it through a little bit, the story of Abraham and Sarah is God promised to make a great nation from them. God promised to bless all the families of the earth through them, and they couldn't have kids. That's a tough one to deal with. Sarah did not get pregnant until she was way past the age where she should have gotten pregnant. Abraham and Sarah waited 70 years to see this promise fulfilled. They were in their 90s when God gave them an answer. And then Sarah became pregnant. This one child would lead to the fulfillment of God's promise that the nations of the world would be blessed through them not merely in their lifetimes, not merely in their timeline. But now we see it, right? Thousands of years later, we see that God's faithfulness redeemed his people continually and continually, and those people grew and spread. And today, there are parts of the world that haven't maybe physically hurt, but they are rare. The glory of God, the gospel that comes from knowing him and following him in faith has gone all through the world based from this conversation that God had with Abraham. God is faithful. Whether you see it or don't, his character will always be the same. Why are these things recorded for us? So that we would know we don't merely live for our little blip on the radar while we're here. We live for something greater than an eternal idea, an eternal resonance, and an impact that God wants to have on people everywhere. That's why we live. That's why God redeems us in Christ for something way bigger than ourselves. Now Sarah gets included here in this chapter of faith, this this recording of saints. Even though when God told her this, and she was very elderly and didn't have any kids. She laughed at him. So, how could you say Sarah laughed at God at the revelation of this promise? How is she considered faithful? Well, here's how, and maybe this will give you hope. Maybe this will give me more hope. Because Sarah did laugh at the announcement that she would have a great nation come from her. But then, when she realized the message truly was from God, she believed. She laughed because she didn't see how it was gonna be possible. She laughed because actually in in her human eyes and what she was looking at, it wasn't possible. But we know God did judge her some for that laughter, but her son's name is Isaac, which means laughter. We know that Sarah, once she did understand and realize that that message and that promise was from God, To her and to Abraham, she believed him. And she lived a life of faith from there on. See, this gives us some hope, right? You don't have to perfectly respond immediately, every single time, in order to be faithful to God, because he's gracious. The goal is to respond quickly in obedience and do that as often as possible. But when you miss that or when you fall short... Don't stop and say, I can't follow God anymore. I'm not faithful. That's not how God works. How God works is he says, you may not be completely faithful, but I am. So I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. And just like Sarah, we can circle back and say, I thought that was a crazy preposterous promise, but it came from God. So I'm going to go with it. Because just like Abraham, her husband, even if you don't know how you're gonna get there, if you know who's taking you there, you can respond in faith. Verse 12. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, that's Abraham, right? How about that for a quote in scripture about you, right? He was good as dead before he had any kids. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. See, that's the promise that God gave Abram. He said, your descendants will be more than the stars in heaven. More than the grains of sand on the seashore. And Abraham hadn't had any kids yet. And he was, as scripture says, good as dead. But God miraculously gives him a son. And from that, he grows a great nation. And out of that nation comes the Redeemer. And the Redeemer grafts others into the family. And today we can say, truly, there are more followers of God that have come from Abraham's lineage, both biologically and spiritually grafted into that family than the sand on the seashores or the stars in the heaven. It would be innumerable to actually try to count all of the Christians that have ever lived since this day with Abraham. So God's promise to him has been accomplished. In his lifetime, no. Over time, yes. Because God's character always does what he says he's going to do. Verse 13, these all died. He's now talking about Abraham, uh, Sarah, Enoch, Noah, Abel, right? He says, all these have died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar off. And after acknowledging and after and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Let's take a look at these verses 13 through 15 here. As we've been establishing that God's promises are for eternity, not just the here and now, not just what we see in front of us, but forever forever, we see this section here where the author says all these people died in faith. They didn't see the culmination of the promises. They didn't get to. And if that's all that they had been living for, what they were going to get to see, they could have gone back to where they came from and saw a big city. And they would have just returned. But these people are regarded as faithful and having even died in faith because they simply kept their eyes fixed above this is the everyday piece of following God in faith of growing in our spiritual maturity of being accurate in our understanding that God lives for eternity and we can trust him and keep our eyes fixed on that see at first Sarah even laughed but then she considered him faithful That's what the verse says. Even in her laughter and her doubting, she considered him, who? God. She considered him faithful who had made the promise. What do you need to hear about that today for you? What is it? Which piece of your life do you need to remember that God is faithful in because he has promised? He's promised to protect you. He's promised to love you. He's promised to give you grace and forgiveness. He's promised to use you. In his kingdom, he's promised to provide everything you need for life and godliness. Those are all just quotes from scripture. We know this because we know him. And I'm not totally sure how we're all handling this time of quarantine or separation or anxiety or maybe the loss of finances and, and vocation and. Struggles, and we don't know what the future holds. And in that, we land right with Abraham and Sarah. It's not a bad place to be if we respond with faith and obedience. So you don't have to know the future to have peace that comes from God. You only have to know him who is faithful, who is promised. Verse 14 says, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. See, in 13, these two couple words are used, strangers and exiles. And then in 14, seeking a homeland. So if you're making notes, if you're underlining stuff, underline those. Strangers, exiles, seeking a homeland. This is the definition, another definition of the faithful that we understand this is not our permanent home. We do not live for this. We live for heaven. Our eyes fixed on eternity. If we're to be counted as faithful, we must seek the things that are not of this earth. That's a challenge for us. We have to seek the things that are above promises of God have not changed the promises he gave to Abraham he gives to us as Abraham's descendants whether biologically through the Hebrews and through the Jewish population or because Christ opened the doors and grafted others in to that family we come in the line of Abraham if we are followers of Christ and because of that the promises are ours too the promises are still true If we're to be counted as faithful, we must seek the things above. Verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country. Who desires a better country? Well, in this context, those who have already been mentioned, right? Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah. Okay? But it's including all those who live lives of faith. As it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. That's a statement for you and I. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. That's what I want. That's what our desire should be. That God would not be ashamed Call us his. Do we have a desire for God to not be ashamed of us? Does your everyday life, when you wake up in the morning, go throughout your daily activities and, and get tired and lay your head down at night, is your day shaped around the idea that you are desiring for God to be proud of you? To not be ashamed, to call you his own. Because he's prepared a heavenly city that will exist for eternity for those who have come in to his family through Christ. But do we live that way? That's the challenge. I believe that's the challenge from this text. Will you live in a way that God will not be ashamed to call you his? He was not ashamed to be called their God. He wasn't ashamed when, pe- when people would look at them and say, oh, those people follow God. God was looking down saying, yeah, they do. You can put my name on it. I'm good. They're faithful. They're not perfect. They mess up. Abraham had his issues. We, we don't have time to go through them, all, right? But just in case you're wondering if you're uh, faithful enough, <laughs> Abraham gave away his wife a couple times because he was scared. But he repented, and God extended grace, and he continued to go on in faith. That's the kind of people that God is not ashamed to be called their God. Not perfect people, because there are none of those. Jesus is the only one that lived a sinless life. Everyone else is in the same boat. We have Problems with sin. But that doesn't need to stop us from being faithful. God has given us the call. He has brought us into his family. He gives us the opportunity to respond in faith. And my prayer is that we respond in faithful obedience. Verse 8. When Abraham in faith was called, he responded and obeyed. Do we have a desire to be people that God can proudly call his own? And not be ashamed that his name is on us. That's the conviction that comes from this particular text, I believe. These aren't just stories, good stories of cool people who lived successful lives. That's not what these are. These are stories of people that struggled that did have successes at different times, that God blessed in very unique and specific ways, but overall, they never saw the promise in a completed inheritance. But they knew who they were following, even if they didn't know where they were going. And because they knew him, who they followed, they responded with obedient faith and could follow him faithfully. That's my prayer today. It's my prayer for me. For my family, it's my prayer for you and your families. It's my prayer for all those who come in the line of Abraham that we would be able to follow in faithful obedience, keeping our eyes fixed on the things above. Let's be like Abraham and Sarah. Let's respond to God in faith because we know him who works.